How can AI help to make intelligence decisions for Salesforce changes? What are agents and vector databases? How to incorporate user feedback gathered during the closed pilot into training your AI model? Welcome to Artificial Intelligence Innovations Meets App Exchange, the bi-weekly show that explores the impact of AI in the Salesforce ecosystem. I'm Jakub Stefaniak, Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and VP of Technology Strategy and Innovation at Akiva Labs, where we help App Exchange partners accelerate their adoption of the latest technologies and get the most out of their Salesforce partnership. In each episode, we sit down with leaders from AppExchange ecosystem to discuss the latest trends and innovation in AI, product development opportunities, and ethical considerations. Our goal is to address critical challenges faced by business, build a community of engaged professionals, and provide insights into the latest trends and innovation in AI to help you stay informed and ahead of the curve. So, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of AI and App Exchange. So, thank you a lot for accepting our invitation. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your product and your role in App Exchange ecosystem? Yeah, of course. First of all, thank you for inviting me. My name is Ian Gotts. I'm the co-founder of Elements.Cloud. So, Elements.Cloud is an application. It's on the App Exchange, but actually, that's a small connector app. We're actually sitting on top of AWS. We're an application that helps people make more intelligent decisions about how they make changes to Salesforce. So it's all about how do we unlock the agility that we've always had promised for Salesforce by helping understand you know, all the change documentation, but then importantly, we're essentially the MRI scanner into the org, telling you everything about the org, everything about the connections. And I think it's it's eye-opening for many, many customers when they actually see what the org looks like and having that power in front of them. Yeah, awesome. So just to clarify, your application is purely off-platform or do you have some managed package which like people must install on these Salesforce orgs? Well, we're off-platform. That means actually we can we can do this for any app. It doesn't have to be just Salesforce. It could be NetSuite. It could be ServiceNow. It could be... But, and we, to be able to pull all the metadata from Salesforce, we use the API. But there are certain things and certain analysis that we can't do simply through the API. So we do have a managed package which runs several jobs to do some internal analysis. So think of the, the app as a connector app. Uh, so unlike some products which are 100% on platform, we're not that. Sure, that makes lots of sense. And as far as I know, you recently as well published some AI-related features in your application, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Yes. I think the first thing to say, though, is uh, when people think about AI, they often think, well, I've used ChatGPT, so I understand AI. And I think we're really, we're seeing an inflection point. When someone says, oh, I understand the latest AI features, okay, that's today, but tomorrow it will be different, and, and next week it'll be different again. So I think we're at the very start. So I don't think anyone can say, we know where this is going. I think we've got a, a picture about where the future could be going. So I think the first thing is that if people go, oh, you've got an AI product, does that mean you just bolted ChatGPT on the front of your application? Yeah, that's very straightforward to do. And, and no, we've done a lot more than that. So we've been thinking about how AI can genuinely change the way that a platform owner, an architect, an admin, or a consultant can actually work. So there are really two or three use cases we've been looking at for the last probably six months 
we launched this week because we think we're now ready to, in a closed pilot, really get some input from users and see how they're using it. So the use cases are, first of all, if you could take all of the information about your org, all the information about well-architected, all the information about release notes, and then be able to ask questions of it in a natural language. So tell me how my org supports HR. Tell me in well-architected, tell me the best way of automating something let me add, well architected is this n- nice framework for how to architect your Salesforce platform, right? So it's like exactly what we should all know when we are doing our works. But if somebody is not aware of this, it's good to, to check it, right? Please go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it is thousands of w- words. It's really valuable. But again, what is AI very good at? AI is very good at actually reading a lot of information and coming back with the right answers. Now, the problem with, so let me just go back to ChatGPT for a moment. ChatGPT, first of all, only knows information up to September 21. So if you asked it about, if you just went into ChatGPT and said, can you tell me about end of life for process build workflow? No knowledge of that. Could you tell me about Einstein GPT? No knowledge about that because that's all after September 21. So you can't ask it current information. However, the engine that AI is, is, being, is very good at ordering information. Therefore, if you give it a lot of information, it can come back and give you some very useful in, insights. However, ChatGPT is limited to 4,000 tokens, which is about 16,000 characters. So again, of course, you can't feed it all that information. So we, we, you need to do some very different things architecturally to make generative AI GPT work for you. This is not just a case of saying, give it to ChatGPT, it'll give you an answer, because you can't give it enough information. So absolutely, reading all of that well-architected, that needs to be, we've actually put it in a semantic database, and then run some, we run some AI queries against it to come back with the answers. Okay, but under the hood, you are using OpenAI API. Is it correct understanding? Or yes. is there something else under the hood? There's actually quite a lot more under the hood. So mm-hmm. the first thing is that you've got somehow to get all this information into a way where you can then give the right information to OpenAI to, to pass it. So we're using okay. a semantic database. So we've taken all your org data and put it into a semantic database. We've taken all of well-architected, all the release notes, into separate databases, semantic databases. We're then using OpenAI, we're calling OpenAI to actually go and pass that, look at the question we're asking, work out how to then do the query of that database. So we're only giving it the right information so then OpenAI can then give you the answers back. So we're we're using it in a, yes, we're using OpenAI, but we've actually architected it so we could point it at any GPT, any LMM. OpenAI at the moment is, is probably the most sophisticated of those, and that's why we're using that. Feel free to stop me if I will start to asking two technical questions. But uh, a semantic database, do you mean that you are using something like vector database? So like you take your metadata from the org, split in chunks, and then like translate it to OpenAI embeddings? Correct. Yeah, so it's a vector database. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And in terms of the architecture which you build, as your application is hosted on AWS, you said? Is it right? Correct. Correct. Okay, so like you have then like a few different layers when you are like retrieving all this metadata, preparing this content which can be sent to OpenAI, making lots of API calls at end, and then you are giving back some insights and answers to end users using your user interface. Is it good understanding? 
Yes, but there's one more layer. So there's some new technology mm -hmm. called agents. So now you can write a specific agent for a use case. So the agent might be uh, around the best way of architecting something, or it could be an agent around technical debt. So what you can do, the agent, you can then give the agent, tell the agent what resources it can access. So these are the APIs just to do a query into, into elements.cloud, nothing to do with AI, just, just do a query. It could be know that actually another resource it has is it can go to these semantic databases. It could go straight to OpenAI and ask it what it knows about the history up to September 21. What's interesting about these agents is they then use AI to build a task list to solve the problem you've given it. So let me, let me say that again slowly. You ask a question, we're then using, working out which agent to go and call. That agent uses AI to work out how to build a task list. It then executes that task list to come back with some answers. It gives those answers back to AI to then go and formulate them as nice information. I mean, this is, wow. we're a long way away from, I've typed in, can you tell me this in ChatGPT? This is, it's as close to magic as you can now get, I think, probably in terms of understanding what these things are now doing. And we're right at the beginning of what, what's possible with AI. So can I just take you in a different site? We talked about, yes, you could ask your org information. Tell me how my org is, supports HR, or just tell me all the opportunity record types and how many records and what automations are associated with it. They're the sorts of questions you could ask of your org. But there are some other use cases. One is... If you're looking at a process map, why wouldn't you say to a process map, can you write some use case, or some user stories based on, the, on these three activities? It knows which resources are associated with the activities, so it can write a user story for every resource on for that particular process. But it also knows about, about your org, and it also knows about well-architected. So it write the user story, but then it can recommend how you might deliver that user story based on your org and based on well-architected best practices. That can save lots of time. And especially I can imagine that if you are doing something first time, and for example, you don't have any good expert about integration in your company, I've seen many projects when people were trying and yeah, it, it was always some kind of a story when you try to, after two years, solve this technical debt, right? So having this kind of helper can change many things in the industry. It knows about your org. It has an intimate knowledge about your org. So therefore, yes, it would reduce technical debt. If it knows everything about well-architected, it could probably suggest the best solution that fits with well-architected. So this will be a, a huge benefit to anyone who is has, doesn't have a depth of knowledge about the org or they're new to the org or they don't have a depth of knowledge about well-architected. But again, I think... We need to be very careful here. I think people, when people talk about AI, you need to work out what the A stands for. In terms of ChatGPT, AI stands for another interface. But in this example, the A stands for augment. If you do stuff well, mm -hmm. it will make it even better. If the stuff is bad, it will make it even worse. So it actually, <laughs> yes, it will accelerate us. There's another A there. But actually, we need to be careful. If you have got poorly written processes or no processes, if you haven't documented your org, then it hasn't got very much information to work on. The only thing it really knows is well-architected. So there's a real emphasis here on making sure you map your processes, you draw architecture diagrams, you've documented your org well. So that's the third use case. We can use AI to start to drive documentation. It will look at Apex classes. 
and build documentation. If you have just created a new object and some fields or a flow, give it three bullet points and it will then write some really good documentation. But again, poor documentation and suddenly we, AI can't help you. So we need to make sure we've got some of those that foundation in place rather than thinking that AI will fill all the gaps in. It's exactly what I wanted to ask, because for me, AI is garbage in, garbage out. And I can imagine that in your case, if I have like field name, field one, no description, no help desk, then probably no black magic can help me to make a good argumentation for this, right? Absolutely. Or if you've, quite often we see people changing the use of a field or the use of an object, but not changing the name, no having no description in there. So an AI in that case is taking us in absolutely the wrong direction. So we need to be very careful. I think AI is coming, I mean, and everyone's excited about it, but there's a lot of work to be done now to, to make sure we have the foundation set. And now is the time to do it. Now, every project you run and you go, I need, a bit, I need some extra time to do documentation and the business owner's going, no, no, we, let, we just need to get it finished. You need to fight now and go, no, if we do decent documentation, the future will we can accelerate stuff so much better and so now is the time to clean up technical debt now is the time to start making sure you document things well and if you haven't got a metadata dictionary of any sort you've got to get one of those in place because there's no you can't just wade around setup looking for fields looking for because there's not enough documentation there and ai ai needs needs to feed off a body of data and that has to be off a dictionary it can't just be off setup our third episode and second time when we have exactly the same call for action. If you want to prepare for AI, start solving your technical debt. And it's exactly what as well in Akiva we are telling to our customers. If you have lots of problems, you are going to have just lots of new problems if you won't prepare for this upfront. So that's really powerful story and sounds like you're one of the early adopters. So I'm curious. Did you started to work on your current solution long time ago or it happened like after like OpenAI announced the 3.5 version? Oh, no, we've been at this a long time. We've been thinking about, I mean, AI has been around. I mean, I, I started in Accenture in 1986 and we had early AI solutions then. I mean, AI is not new. I mean, Einstein, not Einstein GPT, but Einstein, which used AI, was launched in 2016. I think what's happened is that the technology has now made this stuff possible and a lot more accessible. So we've been looking at this, I know, certainly in, in 2022, we were looking at what, what was possible with AI. But again, the platforms weren't there. I talked about this idea of agents. That's only been around for the last two or three months in terms of mm-hmm. that, that sort of framework and that approach. So things- As agents, you mean auto GDP solution or is it something different? Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like you are using lots of things which lots of people are writing on blogs, but I believe not many app exchange partners had yet opportunity to really like implement in life. So that's awesome to see like that it really works. And talking about technology, could you tell us what kind of the vector database do you use as a generic pinecone? Okay. Yeah. We've got a dedicated AI team who are, who've been looking at this and working on this. So. We're lucky enough to have the, the ability to actually have enough resources to spend dedicated time thinking about it. I mean, my concern is that, I said at the beginning of this podcast, my concern is the whole idea that I understand ChatGPT, therefore I understand GPT, therefore I understand AI. One of my analogies is we can all drive cars, 
you then drive, say, like a Porsche GT3, which is a staggering sports car, and you go, wow, that, I mean, that's changed my mind about what's possible, Not to 60 in like four or five seconds. To, that's not a Formula One car. And I think if we if we think, oh, I've driven ChatGPT and I understand what AI is, it's like driving the Porsche, not realizing a Formula One car is is just an order of magnitude faster. And therefore, we need to make sure we don't stop at ChatGPT and go, okay, what's the potential of generative AI? I think the problem is that people, the generative AI thing is called GPT, and therefore we confuse the thing, which is ChatGPT is GPT. Einstein GPT is not ChatGPT. Einstein is using GPT technologies to do something way more sophisticated than ChatGPT. If anybody listening to the podcast gets anything out of it, which is absolutely understand what ChatGPT is doing, but realize it's not the end, it's only the very start, and there is so much more potential, and there's so much more to be learning. Our AI team, every week they discover something new or someone has launched something new. This is constantly evolving. I think two years from now, we'll look, look back on and go, wow, look how far we've come. Yeah, I fully understand this. Like, I have a feeling that as part of my job, if I won't spend one hour per day literally checking newses, the fear of missing something is going to be too big because <laughs> literally this innovation is happening on our eyes, right? And Looking on the technology itself, Elements Cloud customer, I don't really know what kind of the AI give me these insights at the end. And as App Exchange partner, I'm curious when you're thinking about Salesforce innovations, do you consider switching the backend of your AI to either Einstein GDP or, for example, Google Bars, or are you rather are happy to stay with open AI technology? Oh, that's a great question. We've built it so that we can point it at any LLM because, I mean, OpenAI GPT-4 at the moment is a very sophisticated LMM. It works really well. It's fast. But again, we can't be locked into a technology and therefore we've architected it so that we've got, a, a, there's, we try to future-proof it wherever we can. And I think, again, it's very easy to you hack something out quickly, which I think people have done that we've taken time to architect this properly. So actually we don't have, we haven't built in our own technical debt and we've got to go back and make changes. So at the moment, OpenAI does a brilliant job, but it's an LLM. There will be other, roll the clock forward six months, two years, I will, there are some staggering changes being made and we need to make sure we can access those. So the end users, they have no visibility. They just get better and better answers. Sure. And it sounds like you are first of all one of the early adapters, but you have like lots of opportunities related to AI in your product. Are there any risks or challenges which uh, yeah, you have to think about as well? Yeah, I think, uh, bear in mind, we're operating on org data, which is, and is sitting on our AWS instance. We're not touching customer data. I think if, you are, if you're involved in customer data, you suddenly get into all the ethics and the biases associated with gender, race, ethnicity, those sorts. We're looking at metadata. So I think there's less of an issue there in terms of those biases. There are still the issues associated with hallucinations. So just because the engine said, this is the answer, doesn't mean, well, in that case, I'll hit the button, I should do this. So we're spending a lot of time worrying about the quality of the answer that's going to come out. And I think the what we're doing at the moment is on the closed part is just starting to understand the sorts of questions that people are asking so we can then fine-tune the way that we get get our own application to ask the questions of GPT. Because, of course, there's, there's some layers here. 
someone asks a question, mm-hmm. we need to interpret that question, understand how, how it should be asked. So there's some fine tuning there to understand the groups of questions that people ask so we can then make sure we're, we're giving the answers back in the best possible way. Yeah, that's that's quite unique because like it sounds like Italy, you have to train your model to be able to give a good answers for specific cases. So do you plan or do you already have some mechanisms where as end user I can give you feedback? Am I happy with the answer or it was, as you said, hallucination? Again, there's nothing sitting in the product at the moment, but that that's part of this at Close Pilot. So rather than just a thumbs up, thumbs down, we want to have a conversation with customers about what they were expecting. I think a simple yes or no, it, that automated feedback, at the moment, the sorts of questions we're asking are too sophisticated for that. And it's the answer, if ChatGPT comes back and says, I know Lizzo's latest song was, I know, Juice, the answer is no, it wasn't. About Damn Time was released in 2022. That's after the, your knowledge. That's a thumbs up or thumbs down. But if you're asking questions of, is this the best way of architecting this solution? I, we need to have a better conversation to, uh, with, with the, the person who asked the question and what they expected. So at the moment, that, that's manual. I think the other thing is that we're not trying to solve every problem for everybody. I think as you can put make those use cases narrower, we're asking questions of well-architected about a Salesforce org. That's a narrower use case than tell me how I could, imp- We're not, we, no one's going to ask the question, tell me how to implement Salesforce for a higher education organization. Mm-hmm. Right? That's way too broad. We need to keep the questions narrow so that so you actually get good answers. And I think that's, I think what will also, not just us as an ISV, but actually the people using these technologies will get better at asking those questions because then they know, and that's what we need to coach people on, the best way of asking those questions to make sure we have the right answer. Okay, but let's do some fortune telling at the end. So could you imagine, or could you say that for sure it's not going to happen that in like five or 10 years from now, the capabilities will be so good that you won't need to have an architect and your solo super admin will be able to get this insight about architecture, implement everything and life is going just to be easy and cheap for being a business owner? My crystal ball is a bit murky when we're looking that far out. I will answer the question, but I think an interesting statement was made a while back, which was we underestimate what will happen in 10 years and we overestimate what will happen in two. People underestimate how far we can come in 10 years. So that may well be possible. I think people overestimate what will happen in two years in terms of what's possible. But... I will qualify that, which is there are nuances to a business where you need a human in there. You need to understand what the business model is. You need There's always going to be a role for an architect and an analyst in this. That The way that a business operates, the way that people want to work, the, that there's, I don't believe that we'll have technology that can look into everyone's mind and understand exactly what they were thinking, even if they didn't say it the way they expected. And I think it's that, that difference in nuance, which leads me to one one, I think, really interesting insight that came someone talked to me about yesterday. When we're looking at, say, the release notes, when we're looking at well-architected, they've been written for a human, okay? Mm-hmm. They've been written with maybe a, a positive spin on things. When AI looks at it, it looks at it like a neuro, neurodivergent. It goes, I've read every word and I've taken them absolutely as they were written. I don't understand the nuance necessarily, I just understand them. So when we're writing documentation now, we are not just writing it for humans. We need to also think about how we write it for AI. 
Uh, yes, that, that's a very good point and very recent change in the mindset. So I have a feeling because we are starting to be out of time that the best what we can agree is to speak again in two years and then maybe in four years and see what will be then state of art. So one more time, thank you a lot for finding times for us today and hope to hear you soon again. Yeah, thank you so much for helping me uh, join the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of AI Innovations Meets App Exchange. We hope you enjoyed the insightful discussion and found this episode valuable. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to sign up for our newsletter and never miss a beat. If you have any questions or want to engage with us further, we'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next time, keep exploring the exciting world of AI and App Exchange.